Welcome to the IAB podcast. Hello and welcome to the very first podcast from the IAB UK, brought to you with the help of our sponsor, Spotify. I'm James Chandler, Chief Marketing Officer at the IAB, and over the next 20 or so minutes, we'll be talking about the most interesting and important things in digital advertising this week. We have experts on hand to break down the GDPR into just two minutes, let you in on what we've been talking about most at the IAB this week, and enjoy 10 quickfire questions about work, life and beyond with Alex Faust from Spotify. And did you miss the IAB's Engage event in October? If you did, perhaps you heard the rumours of a highly spectacular fake news drama. We'll be going behind the scenes and revealing how we put together the presentation that had everyone talking. So... Whether at this moment you're commuting or running or simply sitting at your desk staring out of the window, by the end of this episode, you'll hopefully have gained some insight into what's happening in the world of digital advertising this week. Now, if you weren't able to make it down to the Barbican for the IAB's flagship event Engage last October, you missed a wonderfully staged piece of drama. We invited Ken Fors, controversial editor-in-chief of the Cincinnati Sentinel, to speak. We wrote a script, we wrote his background, his family history. We used Ken to front the idea that robots and AI could be used to create journalism. But Ken had only just begun explaining how his publication prioritises clicks over facts before a member of the audience interrupted him with a revelation. Ken wasn't real. The questioner from the audience was none other than David Walsh, chief sports writer at the Sunday Times, who we then revealed to everyone was the real speaker. David then gave an amazing talk about the importance of truth and journalistic integrity, explaining his work on revealing the doping scandal behind the many victories of Lance Armstrong. It was the first time anything like this had been seen on the engaged stage and caused quite a stir on the day. But how did we pull it off and what did we learn about the future of news? I'm joined by two guests in the studio who are exceptionally well-placed to answer that. Here to talk uh, to me about uh, what went into the making of that session is Ollie Lewis from News UK and Alistair Williams from The Guardian. Welcome to you both. Hello. Hello. Ollie, starting with you, how did the idea for this made-up editor-in-chief first come about? Um, so this came about really at the end of a uh, one of our more productive IAB board meetings. I think um, increasingly it's quite hard for publishers to get you know a slot on the stage at IAB Engage, such as the uh, the credentials that you have in order to, to speak. Mm, and I indeed. think now more than ever it's important to push the the message of premium publishers, trusted professional journalism, uh, particularly in a world of fake news. And we thought it'd be amazing, wouldn't it, if the publishers could stand up together, one voice to collaborate. Not not nothing. Something we're we're known for. Um, uh, you know, historically. And so actually it was a really, really big initiative driven by the IB, driven by Tim and yourself, uh, to bring us together and think, look, if we had 20 minutes, what would we do? And how would we, we get that message across? And did you, um, and, and was it always going to be the sort of the, the, the fake actor thing? Did that come quite quickly or? It, do you know, actually, it came a lot quicker uh, from my memory than, than probably you'd expect. I think it was, we started talking about, look, I think the important thing is we can't go up and do, you know, get all of us on stage and do one big sales pitch and, and, and try and push the message of supporting journalism. Really, we needed something that was dramatic. Uh, we needed it to be memorable. We had these great ideas of it, you know, really trending on, you know, support journalism trending. And it was like, how do we create a piece of theatre? How do we do something memorable? Um, 
And we, we've, it started off as an idea of, you know, perhaps we could do a corner of, you know, quiz on spotting fake news. You know, we could put up excerpts of, um, of real journalism and fake journalism and see if we can get people to interact and engage because interactivity always scores really highly. People always remember yeah. that. Um, but it really quickly, very quickly, you know, developed into something slightly more sinister, which was, well, let's actually try and trick the audience. And I think that happened, you know, we were doing this um, in sort of secret bunker meetings. I think that came yeah. about almost at the end of the first... There's certainly the seeds of the idea in the first meeting, but certainly by the second, we were really dead set on this idea of creating somebody. And it was Nick at the Guardian who sort of came up with the with 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 Ken, as it were. Then, yeah. So, um, of course, Ken Fors, Ken Fors is an anagram of fake news, and uh, Nick had this this idea about sort of using that as a persona, or an individual. And I think, sort of to echo your point, Solly, that there were quite a few ideas. We, we knew that we wanted this actor. We knew, we knew we wanted the theatre. Mm. Uh, it's whether it sort of had things tacked under your seat that sort of were produced to spot the the fake news stories in, in that particular presentation. But I think the drama starts to unfold. So so we went out to find this chap, this this chap, this this uh, actor, and it's, <laughs> it's uh, one of those quite interesting times where you're actually auditioning American actors. So mm. all the actors we auditioned were American. They had to fit the <laughs> persona of somebody out of, you know, maybe all the president's men. Right, right. And we had a few, a few there in front of us. But the thing that, that swung it for this particular actor was he at, Absolutely loved the idea of oh, fake right. news. He <clears throat> want he wanted to do it, yeah. and I won't go into too much detail about the actor himself. But it was so important to him, being an American, living in this era of, of post truth and alternative truths and fake news. He wanted to do it, and that was great for us. Yeah, that's amazing. And do, do you remember that first sort of the time you sort of told him he got it, or the first first yeah. call? Then the thing is, he, he we had a quick conversation on the, on the phone. We brought him into the offices. He, he immersed himself into a news brand. We brought him into the Guardian offices. <laughs> he liked what he saw. Yeah. But it was a really, really simple sell. You know, we, we talked about the proposition. You could see his eye, eyes light up and think, I want to do this. And it was plain sailing from there, from from my personal point of view, because that's when um, my role started to slow down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and obviously there was a there's a real journalist at the heart of all this, which was yeah. David Walsh. So at what point did, did you start to think about you know, David being the right person to come and sort of actually deliver the real message, Ollie. The legend, David Walsh, as mm. we know. We should, we, we should call him yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so, Dave, really early. I mean, um, privileged to have seen him speak before. And, and David has just got this phenomenal story. Not only is he the man that unearthed, you know, after 13 years of, yeah. of um, investigative journalism, unearthed Lance Armstrong. An incredible story in itself, but it's the way that he tells it and the, and the emotion that's, that, that he, he gave his life, really, mm. to the quest of truth. Um, and, and certainly, he brings in uh, you know huge parallels to his to his son, which was an incredibly emotional part yeah. of the story. Mm. Um, so, having seen him speak before, I just felt you know if you if you want to put a credible journalist on stage, someone that can talk about in, in himself, even by his peers, contemporaries, for many years was called fake uh, himself, really, yeah. because no yeah. one really believed why he was chasing this story down. Everyone wanted you know the, to believe Lance Armstrong. Uh, I just felt he'd be the most perfect person. And actually, what's so great about this as a as a project as as um and a piece of work that, that we came together on is that everyone just agreed so yeah. easily. Yeah. Um, you know, in every step of the way, didn't we? We just found this kind yeah. of great um, sort of energy between us as we start to piece this together. And it was an interesting project in its own right because everybody wanted to talk about it internally because they knew 
that we were onto something. Yeah. But you couldn't because yeah, yeah. You, you had to keep the reveal secret for obvious reasons. It was so shrouded in secrecy. I remember when T- Tim got quite nervous about people in the IAB not knowing. And so he sort of called everyone together in one of our team meetings and said, look, you can't tell anyone, but we're, we're going to do this thing at Engage. We've never done it before. He sort of had to break it to the team, which was, which was really exciting. Remember that phone call we had with, with David Walsh and I didn't know a huge amount about him. I'd seen the, do- the sort of the documentary, um, and I sort of knew, you know, what he'd done. But you know, he just seemed like a really normal bloke. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When we spoke to him, and he was sort of really up for it. He had loads of his own ideas, and the Ken bit as well. So I, 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 you know, we sort of moved forward to on the day. I remember we sort of turned up at about twenty past seven at the Barbican that morning. It had turned out that Ken, in his earlier years, had trod the boards at the Barbican before, so I thought it'd be quite overwhelming. For, you know, it's going to be a sort of sending. It's going to be a thousand people. Yeah, it's no, no worries. No, no, he's, he's, he's quite a well-known Shakespearean actor uh, he in is. that respect. And I remember him turning up, and he'd been on his bike, and he's sort of slightly damped by the rain. And him and David actually met for the first time, and it sort of dawned on me: we're going to try and effectively con a thousand people today and these people have just met they've not rehearsed anything we did that quick run through with the tech with the camera spinning around with the house lights coming up and uh, I think David had about three hours sleep because he'd flown back from Dublin that night and we just sort of hadn't seen seen the script and I was just like at that point I thought oh god please Please make sure that it worked. But and uh, you know, Ken was sort of an instant celebrity as well. I remember Claire Rush uh, at the Mail was sort of you know desperately trying to get some information out of him and David about what he was working on next, which he, you know, he was very good. He didn't, he didn't sort of reveal. But there wasn't much rehearsal time at all. Ollie, well, I was, was going to say, will you admit to being slightly nervous for about two hours? I mean, I, I mean, beyond nervous. From the moment I arrived, I think yeah. I felt like I was um, delivering, you know, the keynote. It was, yeah. it was. Uh, I don't know. There'd be nine months in the planning, you know. So it was yeah. emotionally quite a charge. This has got. This is really got happening now. It's got to work. There was a great moment actually. He said to you, "James, look." Uh, <laughs> I can do this in, in, in 10, 12 minutes, but if you give me 20, yeah, did, it'll he? be brilliant. And obviously, the, we should probably talk about the, the film that, yeah. um, that, that, that you uh, guys shot. Thanks to as Ali well. as well. You know, so, we obviously, important really, if David is you know, going to be the key segment, you've got Ken and then David, and, and obviously, we were ending with Claire Rush in the mail, but it's important to get the rest of the news brand's voice heard. So, so we went around um, and, and interviewed selection of journalists from all the titles and let them tell their story and give their views on the future of news and why they think fake news has become such a... Or, or is it in an epidemic or has it always been there? Uh, it was fascinating, actually. And I think, you know, the, looking back on the rushes of those films, there is so much great material. And you just realised just the a day in life of, of our journalists is phenomenal, really. And only that... And again, they're all fantastic storytellers um, and they've all got really strong opinions and they've all got great, great stories to tell. And um, so we created this film, um, which we showed, you know, Premiered, I like to say, James, yeah, at the uh, in the middle of the session. I think I think what we heard was that uh, no matter what news brand that they were representing, they were unified by this sort of commitment to journalism mm. and this acknowledgement that we're living in unusual times, and they need to work together yeah. to ensure that an independent voice, uh, you know, a trusted voice, no matter what media brand they're talking yeah. from. It's heard, yeah, and yeah. it's so, so important. Yeah, That great quote from the Washington Post, democracy dies in darkness, mm, and you need yeah. news brands to shine the light. Uh, absolutely, and there was all sorts. There was uh, stuff about North Korea, there was stuff about you know Prince Harry opening up about sort of his mum and things like that. I mean, it was it was a whole host of stuff, and I, I think you're right. I don't think it, it sort of could have worked, bolted together with a bit of Ken and a bit of David and a bit of Claire. I mean, it was an you know, incredibly sort of emotive film as well. Um, yeah, it sort of brought it, brought it together and obviously Claire kind of brought it home at the end yeah. and the, that lasting image there's that brilliant photo of 
you know, all of those news brands together yeah. just with support journalism and people, you know, standing ovation for something that they'd seen, which they'd never seen before. Six competitors come together and yeah. put together a session which is, you know, sort of unheard of, really. I loved seeing photos of that support journalism mm. slide like uh, throughout Twitter yeah. for the next couple of hours. Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? it? Yeah, it was incredible. Um, I'll leave you both with this. Favourite moment of the day for you, Ali? The reveal. Yeah. I, I think that was, that was pure theatre and we, we weren't sure... We always knew it would work, but there was that slight <laughs> inkling of, God, is it, isn't it? Yeah. But, but that reveal, it just worked so, so well. I mean, there, there are lots of them, but that for me, the reveal. Mm. I think it's when David takes the stage, he's just ousted him, and, and he <laughs> says, uh, oh, don't worry, I am a journalist. And there's a sort of nervous yeah. laughter across the yeah. stage, and he goes, I'm David Walsh, uh, Chief Sports Writer from Sunday Times, and I'm here to represent oh, real yeah. journalism. Yeah, and it's just this, like, it, uh, actually, yeah, slightly puts my hairs up on end. It's, it's just goosebumps. A, yeah, really, really great. Yeah. Amazing, like, rapturous applause you could feel. And then at that point, all the tension in the room sort of dropped. Yeah, like, you could sort of enjoy it. But yeah, we could yeah. anyway. Um, gents, thank you very much indeed. Um, I'd love to talk about this all the time, but we'll leave it there. If you want to read more about how we're working with UK news brands to combat fake news, visit iabuk.net forward slash fake news. And to watch the full Future of News session from Engage in all its glory, search for IABUK on YouTube and tap on the Engage 2017 playlist. We've also released a short film called Creating Chem 4s that goes into more of the details behind the scenes of the session and how it was planned and executed. You can find more about that on our IABUK YouTube channel too. The next part of the podcast is dedicated to making the complex simple, boiling down complicated or thorny issues relating to policy, standards, privacy, regulation and measurement into a bite-sized, fully digestible two minutes. So who better to explain the inner complexities of the pending GDPR than Eve Swartzbart, our IAB Head of Policy and Regulation. Eve, welcome. Hi, James. So GDPR is keeping you busy. I don't think I've seen much of you, actually. This is quite nice to spend some time with you because you've been on the road talking GDPR. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of member companies, which is a lot of fun. It's great. Yeah, GDPR road tour, coming to a stop near you. Um, let's get straight into it. So two minutes then to explain the GDPR, and we're on the clock starting now. So tell us what the GDPR actually is. Well, effectively, the GDPR is, a, is an updated set of data protection rules uh, that will apply in the same way across all EU markets from the 25th of May 2018 which is to say that from then on, companies should see very little difference when it comes to data protection standards across all uh, EU countries. And, and the killer question, I suppose, is what does it mean for us? What does it mean for digital advertising? Well, it can mean different things to different companies, but in many ways, it's probably worth thinking about the sort of five things that everyone needs to know about. Um, so starting with the definition of personal data, um, basically, GDPR is all about processing personal data. Um, at that point, it kicks in. So you need to understand what processing means and what personal data means. And those are definitions that are very broad in the GDPR, which means that it will effectively uh, apply to every single company that is a member of the IB. Um, the second thing is that the GDPR is global application in many ways. So regardless of where you, where you are located as a business in the world, pretty much, the moment you want to do business in the EU, you will basically have to comply with the GDPR. The third thing is that in order to actually um, process personal data, you have to justify it. The GDPR requires you to justify it. And for many areas, the most viable option for us as an industry will be consent. Mm -hmm. Now, the GDPR significantly strengthens consent requirements. So that's something that companies definitely need to, need to be uh, aware of. 
Uh, the fourth thing is that for many companies, um, the GDPR requires them to be much more accountable, which effectively means that there will be lots more record keeping. And they also need to be aware of a long list of individual rights, uh, which uh, is important for those companies, because if individuals approach them and try to exercise those rights, these companies need to, be, uh, need to know how to respond to that. And finally, it's all about the fines. Um, so what happens if something goes wrong? And the GDPR significantly increases the fines that are available to regulators, mm-hmm. all the way up to 4% of global annual turnover in cases where there's a severe breach of the, of the regulation. So how can people listening to this find out more? Best thing to do is probably to go on our site. We've created a dedicated GDPR hub, which brings together all our resources, uh, lists all our events, including our workshops, which we continue to do in 2018, loads of them. Um, Also, look out for guidance from regulators. They always clear up the areas in the GDPR that are still a bit unclear, so very important. And finally, follow us on Twitter. We talk about all our GDPR resources on Twitter in real time or as close to real time as possible. So definitely give us a follow. Thank you, Eve. And don't forget, as Eve said, we have a whole host of GDPR-related resources on our site, ranging from checklists to FAQs. So just visit us at iabuk.net and search for GDPR. So from the GDPR to something slightly easier to swallow, but still on the IAB theme, if you've given any thought to what conversations happen between the four walls of our Long Acre office, then your opportunity has arrived. I have some IABers with me here to talk about the topics that have been on everyone's lips at the IAB this week. So with me today are Christy Dennehy-Neal, who works in our policy and regulatory affairs team, and Lizzie McIntosh, our IAB events supremo, who is busy coordinating the agenda for IAB Leadership Summit next month. So Lizzie, let's start with you. Of all the event-shaped plates that you're spinning at the moment, Leadership Summit is probably the biggest and most immediate. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah, that's coming up quite rapidly, 22nd and 23rd of February. We're super excited to be going back to the glorious Sockwell House in Hertfordshire for the third year in a row. Uh, We are going to be talking to senior decision makers. We're going to bring them together to kind of think about how we can protect and challenge and improve the kind of digital experience. Who have you got speaking? Who are you excited we, about? I'm personally really excited about Andy Sandos, who is the Chief mm. Creative Officer at Deloitte Digital. We also have Nick Hughes, CEO of The Telegraph, uh, Donna Burkett-Bader, VP of Marketing at Disney. Mm. That is going to be cool. Yeah. Um, and also an awesome panel um, curated by Ali Hannon of Creative Equals. Ali is brilliant. She is awesome. Great Diversity panel. panels. And then to complement these main stage presentations, we've got four different town hall sessions, mm-hmm. which are measurement, which is a very hot topic, uh, diversity, GDPR, of course, and branded content. There is literally not a day that goes by where we don't talk about GDPR. No. I live and breathe GDPR. And rightly so. Mm. And Christy, so, so you've got the enviable task of prepping for a select committee appearance next week. So tell us a bit about that. I do, yes. Or more accurately, I have to prep our CEO, John, because <laughs> he is the one who has to face the uh, the committee. Yes, so the uh, Digital Culture, Media and Sport Committee in the House of Commons has got a fake news inquiry, mm. which is looking at all aspects of fake news from kind of um, the effect it has on genuine news and, and news funding and the effect it has on democracy, very important, obviously. So they have asked us to go along and talk to them to explain a bit more kind of about how digital advertising works and they're interested in particular at whether um, some sites that have fake news on them are um, being motivated I guess to do what they do because they make money out of advertising Mm. so we're going to talk to them about that. How's John feeling about it? 
think he's slightly less nervous than when he went to his previous committee, um, <laughs> which was uh, the Lords Communications Committee Advertising Inquiry. So he's had a kind of trial run it's and he did really well. Yeah, so, the, you know, he's almost a pro now with the committees. And that's exactly what he's doing. <clears throat> so, so, so that's keeping you busy. What, what else is going on? Um, so the other thing that's keeping us really busy at the moment is the IAB Shiny Gold Standard, ah. uh, which is very exciting. So our new initiative that we launched at um, Engage in October, um, which was supported by all of our board members and now we are in the process of registering our member company. Mm-hmm. So just before Christmas, we made uh, the registration phase a kind of formal thing now that we launched. So our member companies can sign up to the Gold Standard, um, show that they're committed to it, just provide us a few details, which you can do on our website. So if you go to iabuk.net forward slash gold standard, uh, it's a really short form you can complete. And then in return, we'll send you a lovely IAB registered badge that you can use on all your marketing and your emails and things like that. And once you get certified, you get a brand new badge. Yeah, so the second phase will be certification where um, you are demonstrating to us that you're actually implementing the three initiatives that are part of the gold standard. So that's ads.txt, the uh, DTSG mm-hmm. brand safety good practice principles and the lean better ad standards. And once you've done that, then you get an actual gold uh, gold standard certified badge. I mean, Is it re- actually made of gold? I mean, read the T's and C's <laughs> in, the, in the podcast notes. Yes, you know, it's, it's kind of... We're gold not for profit, colour. so it's, the gold thing's tough gold for us. Colour. Is it going to be like that gold that kind of scratches off and you're left with a bit of copper and it <laughs> makes your hand go green? It's a good, it's a good strong gold standard. We're completely demeaning here. Um, Lizzie, pop quiz. What's the opposite of a conference? Oh, <laughs> a non-prince, oh, perhaps? Why don't you tell oh, us a bit about non-prince? a nice little segue, isn't it? <laughs> is a brand spanking new event for the IOB for this year. Um, it's not something we've ever done before. It's an unconference, so it's basically a day of multiple sessions hosted simultaneously. So... Um, mm. We can all go to different things at the same time. So your day will look completely different from my day. Um, we're going to have large listen and learns. We'll have smaller debates, hands-on workshops, that kind of thing. So um, that's on the 28th of November at Tobacco Dock. So we're feeling really excited about that. Um, and in the run-up to that, we're actually going to be hosting a briefing event at the OAB. That is on the 24th of this month. Um, so we're going to get our members to come along because the content's basically in their hands to say, look, this is what the event's about. This is how you can get involved, the do's, the don'ts, the hints and tips of submitting um, speaker or session proposals. And so that is exciting. And, and it's different to what we've done before, isn't it? Because we usually yeah. ask for speaker proposals and it's yeah. usually people sit on stages and do that stuff. But this is this completely is different. Completely different. We don't want you just standing in front of a PowerPoint presentation mm. clicking through. Think outside the proverbial box. Wow, very yeah. nice. Um, we should talk about Christmas. It would be remiss of us not to talk about Christmas. Christy, what did you get for Christmas that was either surprising or delighting? Um, Well, my husband bought me a very lovely Alex Munro necklace, which was uh, delighting. But um, (laughs) if I can sort of claim a sort of household Christmas present that we got that was very exciting, we got a pizza stone. So for making homemade pizza in your own oven, and I can tell you, it is fab. Lizzie, you're going to have to do a fair bit to top the pizza stuff. (laughs) So delighting. Yeah. I got, for my husband, a lovely Marc Jacobs handbag. The husbands have done well this year. (laughs) And surprising was um, norovirus. That was was fun. Yeah. (laughs) Not on the list for Santa. (laughs) Have you been naughty or nice? No. Wonderful. Thank you both very much indeed. Thank you, Christy. Thank Thank you, you, Lizzie. Thank you, James. 
Now, we have over 1,200 organisations that make up the IAB UK membership, so we wanted to shine a spotlight on a different member every podcast. The way this will work is we'll pick a member company at random and find someone from that company to come on and answer 10 quick-fire questions in just under a minute. So today, making his debut on the IAB UK podcast, we have Alex Faust at Spotify. Alex, are you ready? I'm just about ready, James. Let's get stuck in. What's the most useless piece of technology you wish you'd never bought? iPad. iPad. What advice would you give your 21-year-old self? I'd say work hard and be nice to people. What was the last picture you posted on Instagram? Uh, It would have been uh, a picture of my baby son, Axel. 140 or 280 characters? Uh, 140. It's a skill. It's a craft. Now, this is a debate we're having at the IAB. Almond or almond, as in the healthy snack? Almond. Almond, exactly. I've been no right, question about that. I've been right all along. What was your job title and what was the first work you did when you started in the industry? I was an account exec at Posterscope. Posterscope. Um, yes. Outdoor boy. Outdoor, yeah. Make a model of your first mobile phone. Uh, Nokia 6110. <laughs> What's your headphones on I'm working, don't bother me, Spotify track? Right, at the moment... I advise everyone to go to spotify.me and to have a look at what they're really listening to. I didn't know, but it's um, a track called Spa by Dreezy and uh, it features Kodak Black. It's not what I should be listening to. sounds very down with the kids indeed. Um, Who is your industry hero? Uh, Without doubt, Professor Scott Galloway. He's superb, isn't he? Isn't he good? Love him. And lastly, what job would you be doing if you didn't work in this wonderful world of digital advertising? Um, Something with food. Something with food. And wine. Okay. Probably. That works. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Alex Faust from Spotify. We'll be picking another organisation at random and getting in touch, asking them to send someone down to answer our 10 quickfire questions next time round. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thanks again to our sponsor, Spotify, and thank you for being with us for our first episode. We hope you've gained something, even if it's just an insight into the pronunciation of our favourite healthy snacks at the IEB. We'll be back in two weeks, so if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and tell anyone who you think will find this useful. If you want any more information on what the IEB does or how you can get in touch with us, find us online at iabuk.net or at iabuk on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening. The IAB Podcast from SNK Studios.